You're listening to The Over 50 Entrepreneur, the podcast that's dedicated to the business builders who are only getting started when most are winding down. This is the place to discover how to create more freedom from your business while growing the value of your business. Now here's your host, Rick Hadrava. Hey guys, this is Rick Hadrava with another episode of the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. You know, we've been gaining a lot of momentum and I'm so grateful that uh, you're taking the time to listen to this podcast. And you know, if you're a business owner, you're probably like myself and a number of the business owners that we work with and talk to every day. You know, we're focused on sales and profit and operations. We're focused on client experiences outcomes for those clients and the legacies that we leave behind. We're always going from one fire to another. And, you know, quite frankly, we've been through some unusual times. And one of the top things that business owners, I find, are talking about right now are sales. Because quite frankly, some people have stopped writing those checks and, you know, sales, if profit is what is most important as a measurement of of our success as a business, sales has got to be the lifeblood of any organization. And I'm excited because of this to have with us in the studio via a phone call today, Andrea Watts. And, you know, Andrea is the co-founder of Courage Crafters, and she's the co-author of a book you might have heard of. Uh, It's a best-selling book called Go for No. Yes is the destination. No is how you can get there. Andrea teaches people in virtually every business and profession how to change the way that they think about failure, rejection, and the word no. Go for No has remained a top 50 sales book on Amazon for the last 10 years. That says volumes to me. And so if you're one of those business owners or entrepreneurs that is struggling with sales or knows, you know, hey, I just need... To, to learn more about how I can be better at sales, I think you'll get a lot out of today. So without further ado, let's welcome to the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast, my guest, Andrea Waltz. Andrea, thank you for being here today. Absolutely, Rick. My pleasure. Well, listen, so we like to give a little background on everybody that we talk about and or visit with and learn about their own entrepreneur, entrepreneurial journey. Tell us a little bit about yours, if you would. Yeah, I had no idea that I would ever be an entrepreneur. I I was not like, I didn't come from an entrepreneurial family. My dad was in the Air Force my entire young life. And um, my mom just worked as a um, production planner in a manufacturing company. So uh, I had no examples. It wasn't until I met my now husband who convinced me that we really should quit our corporate job and uh, corporate jobs and go out and teach our sales, uh, customer service management philosophies to companies. That companies actually bring people in from the outside to do that, like consultants and speakers. I didn't even know what that was, and I said, "Okay, sure." <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was over 20 years ago now, and yeah, I, I had no idea what I was doing, and I was. A horrible boss because I didn't know that I needed, I didn't understand the whole idea of needing to manage oneself and all of the things that went into running your own business. Once I did my DBA, 
I was and got a fax machine. I was like, okay, we're in business. You know, now what do I do now? But as you were saying in your intro, what I did learn pretty quickly was it all comes down to sales, that sales solves everything. And so you can get distracted in a zillion different ways with a zillion different things. But ultimately, what matters is is that you're selling and that you're getting in front of prospects and customers who can make a decision. Great, great story. And so when you, I'm curious, when you came out and you initially started to do sales training, what did that look like? Because you made a good point. You know, sometimes we don't have it all figured out, right? Like we know that there's an opportunity and a need. And so we engage in it. And like many business owners, it sounds to me like, hey, a little bit of learning on the job. Would that be safe to say? (laughs) Complete on the job training. So the one thing that we had going for us was that we knew who our target audience was. We knew that we wanted to work with large retail organizations who had, you know, probably a do- at least a dozen, if not hundreds of stores. We wanted to work with companies who could bring us in to do workshops and training and perhaps consulting, you know, kind of on the larger side of, of projects. Um, we weren't so skilled in the independent mom and pop retailer which, you know, they have their own set of challenges. They're retailers for sure, but it's a little bit different, you know, when you have that corporate giant versus the mom and pop retailer on Main Street. And so we knew who our target audience was. So the first thing that I did was back in the day, go on the internet, which was a dinosaur and nothing like it is today, of course, and try to figure out where the corporate offices were and call and 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 slyly ask, you know, for the training director. And of course, when the person says, "Well, you don't know their name," and I would be like, "Well, no, <laughs> no, I'm not putting you through. <laughs> I'm not putting you through to the training director if you don't know their name." So I, I had to learn like how to get past the gatekeeper and different strategies for finding the decision maker. And then we would, so I would call and leave messages, and we would send packages of the training that we did. And because it was pretty specific and we were speaking the language of these businesses, we got hired. Uh, I, I, in, in many ways, I feel like we were super lucky uh, because the, of the time, at that time, timing being what it was, uh, recruiting was a really hot topic in retail. The unemployment rate was super low. And so that was a program that we were offering. That was one of our most popular programs. But also just being able to speak the language of our customer, we weren't going to, going to to prospects and saying like, hey, this is just training on communication or such and such. It was like, no, we do retail sales training for frontline store managers so that they can coach their retail sales associates. And it's like, when you speak that kind of language to a decision maker, they just go, wow, you obviously understand my business. And it makes it so much easier to get hired. So we learned a couple of those lessons early on, and um, but really had to work to to get to those prospects. You know, th- that is a really good point that you make. It, it, you know, I don't know if it's because you took the time to do the research or because of your corporate experience, but being able to relate through that language um, is a big way to open the door versus just calling up and and not really understanding that that definition or that language that that they're accustomed to in their work. 
so as you did this, where did, let's dig into go for no. Where did that start to materialize for you guys? Um, and, and why did you decide to take that into the form of a book? Yeah, so the the very first thing that we did to get clients was we wrote a book called Unlocking the Secrets of Retail Magic. And within that book, and it was really short, 64-page, almost like a pamphlet, but we were selling it to to retail organizations. And within that book, we talked about go for no. It was one of the one of the smaller concepts. And one day, um, this is about probably three years into us being in business, Richard, my husband, who's really the creator of Go For No and the one who convinced me that, you know, to, to launch this whole thing with him, he said, Go For No is getting so popular with our with our clients. They love it. People love it. We should write a book and just focus on Go For No. We'll call it Go For No and we'll we'll kind of dig into the nuances. And I was a little hesitant. I was like, I don't know, another book. I mean, we, we mentioned it already. And he's like, no, let's, let's dig in a, a little bit. So he writes Go For No. We wrote it as a fable. We kept it short. It's 80 pages because we knew that whether it was retailers or even somebody in the insurance or financial business or any, any business person, people don't have time to read 300 page books, right? They just, they, and, and, and you don't want to have somebody repeat the same thing 12 different ways, 12 different times. You go like, I got it. You could have made the book shorter. And <laughs> you, you go into reviews sometimes on Amazon and you see people are like, I wish this book was shorter. It could have been. So, yeah. right. So, so we write this short book and um, we used it with our retail clients and eventually go for no, we realized that it was so much bigger than just retail. And we had kind of, um, about after six years, we kind of felt like we had maximized what we could do in that industry. And we were really ready to share the message and the strategy with any business. I mean, any business who needs to face failure, rejection, hearing the word no, any salesperson, doesn't matter, um, as you were saying in your introduction, what business, what industry, and so we just started broadening it out. But again, as even though we went more broad and and kind of said, well, it's for anybody, at the same time, we weren't saying, yeah, but we do everything for everybody. It was still, well, no, we just focus on go for no. So we've always, our whole entrepreneurial journey has still focused on how do we maintain some kind of niche Right. It's either it's either going deep in a particular industry or if we're going to go wide across a lot of industries, stay topic focused. So there's still this niche that we can wrap a brand around. Makes sense. Makes sense. And and so that book has has been a top seller for a number of years now on Amazon. I mean, that, that says a lot about it. What, what do you think the main message or let me let me rephrase that. What was the main number of points that you were trying to make with your audience with Go for No? So the main point, and it sounds crazy when I say this, but the main point is to intentionally increase your failure rate. To to go out and intentionally hear the word no more often, and it stems from a story that we tell in the book Go for No, which is something that happened to Richard many many years ago when he worked selling suits for a living. His sales were horrible. He thought they were going to fire him. The district manager came to visit the store one day, and Richard that particular day ended up having this great sale. It was like eleven hundred dollars, and the district manager watches this wholesale, 
And once Richard rang up the customer, sent him on his way, the district manager, Harold, came over to him and he said, yeah, that was a great sale that you just had, but can I ask you a question? And Richard said, yeah, what? He said, out of curiosity, what did that customer say no to? And Richard said, what do you mean, Harold? You just saw that great sale I had. It was $1,100. The guy bought a suit and a sport coat and all this stuff. And Harold said, yeah, I, I, I know. I'm just asking you, what did he say no to? And Richard had to admit that the customer didn't say no to anything, that everything he showed this man, the man purchased. And Rich said he didn't say no to anything. And then Harold asked him the really important question, which was, well, then how did you know he was done? And it was in that moment that Richard had this epiphany of, oh, I knew he was done because I decided he was done. The guy spent about $1,100. That was Richard's mental spending limit. He decided the sale was over, rang him up and sent him on on his way. And, and so that was kind of the lesson. And Harold said, you know, I watched you sell. You're not half bad, but your fear of the word no is going to kill you. If you could just learn to get over that, I think you could be one of, you know, a great salesperson. And so as as Richard likes to say, he went in that morning, two letters from greatness, and the letters were N-O. And we, <laughs> we, tell, we tell this story when we speak. We, it, it's kind of the central foundation of the, of the book, and then we get into some other nuances around that. But the whole premise, the whole idea is, you know, it's not about avoiding failure. It's not about avoiding what you perceive as failure, um, which is a no. It's understanding that it's part of the process that it's something that you move through, whether you're selling suits as in the story that I just told, or whether with what you're doing anything, if you're fundraising for your favorite charity, yeah, people are going to say, no, I don't want to donate or no, I can't offer you any resources or time. But the yeses are on the other side of that. You know, in that, in that vein, the thing that comes to my mind is what do you say to the business person? And I'm going to phrase this right. The business person that says, I don't want to come off salesy, right? Mm. Uh, which has always kind of confounded me. Uh, how, how, what would be your advice to that person? Yeah, well, first of all, I love that you brought this up because this is a huge issue. And I hear it all the time, Rick. So I'm glad you mentioned it because people are concerned about looking aggressive and they don't want to be that pushy salesy salesperson. And I always kind of laugh and say, well, listen, it's the go for yes salesperson. <laughs> it's the pushy aggressive salesperson like, okay, Rick, I'm going to make sure that you say yes to this no matter what. I'm going to twist your arm. I'm going to badger you. I'm going to push you into it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guilt you. I'm going to make you feel so bad that by the time we hang up the phone here, you know, I will beat you into submission and you will say yes. I'll and say yes just to get you off the phone. Just to get me off the phone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we've all had that happen. And so we have su- a, such fear of, gosh, we don't want to be like that. And you don't have to be like that. The whole idea of go for no is, is getting into action and saying, instead of making up a story in my mind, which is, if I call Rick and I share this idea with him or ask him if he would be interested in donating to my charity, let's say, he's just going to say no. So I'm not going to bother instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to go for no. If Rick says no, it's a perfectly acceptable answer. If he says yes, great. But the point is to ask. And so ultimately, it is about taking that action and asking, but never to do it in a pushy way. We always say no is a perfectly acceptable answer. You don't have to, you don't have to operate like you're expecting it. Um, some people say like, gosh, Andrea, so are you, are, am I going to, am I going to sabotage myself? Am I going to do a bad presentation? And 
the answer to that is, of course not, absolutely not. You want to do your best, but you have to just accept that no is part of it and not start making up stories and assumptions that you're just going to get the no and so you you just never ask. Very good point. Very good point. And, you know, I know in kind of researching for the show that, you know, some of the things that you guys talk about are celebrate the failures and you break it down into different levels of failure. Would you mind sharing that with our audience as well? Yeah. So again, I know some sometimes people freak out a little bit because they go like, failure, this doesn't sound, this sounds bad. <laughs> and there is a, there is a model that we share in the book and it's a really simple model for failure and success. And we, we say kind of the old model is where you are in the middle and you see failure and success as choices. Like they're, they're opposites on a, on a spectrum and, and you should avoid failure and on one side and do everything you can to move towards success on the other side, right? And you're, you're kind of in the middle. And the new model that we like to teach people is where you are actually on one side, failure, rejection, hearing no is in the middle and the success and the yeses that you're seeking is on the other side of that. So it's all about moving through those failures in order to reach success. So the failure models um, are kind of part of that process, but it's, it, I had to give that foundation so that people understand it's not about being a failure personally. It's just understanding that failure is not a bad thing, that it's just, again, it's part of the process. So the very first failure level is level one. It's the ability to fail. That's where we all start. Level two is the willingness to fail where you hear this show, for example, and you say, oh, okay, so hearing no is not a bad thing. Getting rejected, failing, quote unquote, is not something that I have to be ashamed of. So I am going to ask this person. I am going to to make this attempt. And that's the willingness. The level three is the wantingness to fail. It's really saying, I can really massively increase my success if I am willing to embrace more failure, if I'm willing to hear no more often. Level four is failing bigger and faster. So that's going for bigger no's. And then level five is failing exponentially. And that is team failure, like getting a whole team to to go for no and fail altogether. Well, I was going to ask you about failing bigger, faster, but I think I want to I want to come back to failing exponentially because that is something, you know, our audience is small business owners for the most part. Um, hopefully we're broader than that, but we do focus our work on small business. Sometimes we're the only person doing sales, but when we have salespeople, how do you build that culture around failing exponentially? Yeah, well, first of all, it's about talking uh, talking about it, not making getting rejected or hearing no a bad thing, not having it be the elephant in the room or or where let's say you have a deal in the pipeline or a potential sale coming up and it you lose it. It's about celebrating the attempt and figuring out, well, what can we do? Can we do something differently? What else can we do to increase our prospecting and re- our reaching out to customers, um, both past and new, and seeing the positives around the idea of the go-for-note concept. So the culture really has to change um, in terms of being willing to celebrate those, celebrate the no's as much as we do the yeses, and make sure that we celebrate the attempt. I mean, if you think about it this way, you could have two salespeople, and one 
could just get lucky and the very first customer they talk to, they get a yes. And you might have the second salesperson talk to 20 customers and get 20 no's. And sometimes it's just like that. It's just the law of averages. Um, but that second person made the effort with 20 people. And so who really should be rewarded there if we're, if we're focused on activity and worrying about like, can we learn from this? Can we get better? You have to also celebrate the person who's out there making the attempts. I, I really appreciate that point because, you know, I think sometimes we get down on ourselves. Listen, I started in a business 26 years ago, cold calling, and um, we used to measure, right? There was a, an equation on average for every 10 people you talk to, which might take you 100 or 200 pe- dials, um, one may want to do business with you. And it, it was measured that way. But as I think back, we never stepped back and said, okay, what did you say in the conversation? You know, what did they say? How did you address it? Very seldom, it, it was more just push through. And I like the opportunity to celebrate the failures, but also reflect back on it and, and build out your sales training kind of from that, from that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Figure out where the gaps are for sure. Yeah, probably a lot more effective than the way we did it 25, 26 years ago. Um, well, listen, this is great. So I want to turn the tables back, though. And, you know, since you wrote the book, Go for No, what what have you learned through that process? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I've learned so much. I, you know, it's been an interesting journey watching um, how sales and business have changed over the years, especially obviously with technology. I mean, that's the biggest disruptor in business is just uh, the fact that consumers now have access to all the information, as much information as any salesperson, um, that there's social media now. So you have to deal with uh, reviews and public you know, scrutiny so much more than before. And then you even have new prospect, like prospecting has completely changed because you don't even need to use the phone. There's ways to prospect through sending email and LinkedIn and all of that. And yet the biggest thing that with all of those technology changes, I think still people have, and this has not changed at all, anxiety and fear around rejection. And so in the 20 years that we've been teaching Go For No, that remains the same of helping people deal with the mindset of rejection is bad, they've got to avoid it, and that you can change the way you think and feel about hearing no in your business. And the more you focus, and more you do that and work on yourself, the more effective you can be. Great, great advice. You're absolutely right. It's a completely different world today. And I love that. Well, so if you had one piece of advice for a business owner in this moment, we've been through, I mean, let's be honest, these are times that I don't think most of us have ever experienced in our lifetime. And as a business owner who might be struggling out there, what, what advice would you, would you share with them? Mm. Yeah, I think um, the advice that I, I would give is kind of what I've been doing uh, over my whole entrepreneurial career, but even more right now. And that is, we have to constantly be feeding our minds good things. And I think as people who are in commerce and in business, 
we're, we all pay a lot of attention to what's going on in the world. You know, we pay attention to the economy, both the worldwide and also our local economy. And we pay attention to all kinds of factors, right, related to supply chain and distribution and and consumer behavior and all of these things impact us. And and when the economy and when things like this pandemic and all this stuff goes crazy, it can, it's so stressful on small business owners. I think it's, you know, it's just, it's crushing almost. We have to own our own mindset and, and make sure that we're not inundating ourselves and that we really put good things in. So it is about listening to positive podcasts like yours and, and main and really focusing on, Hey, yeah, things can be bad. Things are tough, but, but we have control of our mind. Um, we can control what we put into it um, and how we want to look at the world. We can look at the world as everything's falling apart. It's terrible. It's tough. Or we can look at it like, Hey, it is, but here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to take control. Here are the things that I can focus on to get better and just focus on, on putting good things into our minds. So, so true. And, you know, we fail our way to success, right? I mean, <laughs> and yeah. it take, takes a lot of energy physically and mentally, but um, you're, you're right. And I really appreciate you sharing that. Well, listen, you know, we're fastly coming to the end of this episode and um, very grateful to have you and would love to, you know, follow up with you uh, in the future, I hope. But if somebody listening wants to learn more, obviously, they can go to Amazon and get your book, Go For No. But how do they reach out to you? Where can they get more resources um, if they're interested in learning more about sales training for their team or for themselves? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, well, we're, we're very well branded. <laughs> so that's like, that's the good news, at least for me, um, which is if you type in the words go for no, uh, or go for no.com, you'll come to our website. We've got a ton of resources. Uh, if you type in go for no, you'll probably stumble on Richard and my videos, social media. I'm at go for no, um, just like it sounds G O F O R N O. So, um, I, it's almost impossible not to track me down. This is true. I, I learned that personally. So, well, guys, you can also get today's show notes by visiting our website at epicsbiz.com forward slash podcast. That's epicsbiz.com forward slash podcast. There you'll find other podcasts, this podcast episode with the show notes, other podcasts, our resources out there. And, you know, shoot me an email at rick at epicsbiz.com. Let me know what you think. We'd love to hear from you. And we appreciate you tuning in. Until next time, remember, we're only getting started. The Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast is sponsored by Epic Business Advisory, where we help entrepreneurs escape the owner's trap build businesses that can succeed without you, allowing you the opportunity to realize more freedom, think bigger, and pursue next-level goals. Download our freedom formula at epicsbiz.com formula. And remember, we're only getting started. <laughs>